Hello, podcast family. Welcome to another episode of Motherhood in Black and White. Welcome back. We are here to stay. This right here is a thing, (laughs) and we should do this more often. We're doing this. We're going to keep doing this. We're so excited to have everybody join us. Thank you so much for the downloads and the reviews. We appreciate it. Yes, I love that we are expanding our family and expanding the conversation One of the reasons we started this, Tara, was so that you and I could start to share our experiences, but it's not just about us. We understand that we need to get a lot of other voices and perspectives, which is why I am thrilled today to bring another member into our family. The guest that we have is one of my most favorite humans on this planet. She is new to her motherhood journey. I can't wait to hear some of the pearls of wisdom that she has to offer. I'm so excited. You will not believe. I'm so excited. You should be. Everyone Anybody should that be. you love, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love. I love it. <laughs> and you know I love you. And I think that our family is going to love her. One of the reasons why I thought about bringing this guest on as we were talking and having a conversation about what our guest's background should be mm-hmm. is just because her experience is similar to ours in mm-hmm. that she's also a working mom. Okay. But it's different because of the way that she got to this journey. Now, I don't know if I know this about you. How old were you when you had Gage? 31. You were 31. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And what was that like? Were you already firmly in your career at that point? I was. I actually was a late bloomer for college. I had just finished my finance degree at the time, and that was the trigger. I was like, once I finish school, we are having a baby. That was the deal. (laughs) That was it, like the day you graduated. (laughs) I was pregnant when I graduated. Were you? Yes, I was. I was. I was. He graduated. He walked that stage with me. (laughs) Oh, I love that. So I had a plan. (laughs) You had a plan and you executed. That's right. That's That's just you because you're an Enneagram 3. I mean, that's how we do it. Is that how you do it? (laughs) That's right. I had never heard of Enneagram, any meaning, whatever that is that you call it. How do you say Enneagram? Enneagram. And what's an Enneagram 3? An Enneagram 3 is an achiever. It's a personality test that's making big headlines right now. And number three is the achiever. So it's definitely the go-getter type A, make a plan, execute, get it done kind of type person. Be pregnant when you walk across <laughs> that's the right. stage. Make that a plan and execute. So what I'm going to do is I am going to take that Enneagram test before our next conversation. I can't wait and I'll to share see what you, are. you think I'm going to be a number three? I don't know. I Sometimes I get that wrong. I would not be shocked. Okay. Well, we will talk about this on our next episode. But one of my favorite human beings on this planet is joining us right now. And I cannot wait for you podcast family to hear her heart and hear her story and these diamonds and pearls she has. Hey, Tia, how are you? I'm doing well, Kanji. Thank you for having me. And Tara, it's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So Tara, I'm going to quickly tell you a little bit about Tia. Tia and I were attorneys working together at a law firm and actually working at a big law firm in Atlanta, there were very few women of color. And I was fortunate enough when I went in for the interview that my first interviewer was Tia. So shout out to Tia for giving me a job and putting food on my son's plate. And when I met Tia, Roman was about the same age, a little older than her daughter is now. So wanting to talk to Tia about her experience as a working mom, Mm -hmm. Her experience as a mom of a toddler and just me to talk to a friend reconnecting after a a long time. What's up? It is so nice to talk to you, Kanji. Do you know how busy and important you are that this is the only way that I can catch up with my friends (laughs) (laughs) is to to take a seat, (laughs) is to take a seat. And, and and talk on her podcast. And you know what? I'm glad to do it. And if we have to catch up in front of an audience, 
then it is what so it is. Be it. I'm gonna have you as a guest every week. But I say to every, I say to everyone that I kind of wish that I had met you before I had Roman because our friendship developed when I was already a mother. If I had known you before I had Roman, you would have been the person that I would have gone on a weekend trip to Miami with. But I wasn't able to do that having a toddler at home. So maybe when they're grown, that's something we can put on the calendar. Second chance. Second, Second chance. chance. And missed opportunities. <laughs> and, and we have so much time for that, Kanji. We have so much time. But let me tell you why I don't regret it. Because you were my blueprint for motherhood. And I don't know whether you understand this or not, but you were my first insight into someone navigating the balance, you know, the, the tightrope walk of balancing motherhood with the demands of firm life and having exited big law and seeing your reasons and understanding your reasons for having done that. It was so insightful. And I learned so much from your experience. I don't know if we've ever actually had that conversation, but it was absolutely my first peek into the sacrifices of motherhood, the balancing and the juggling of priorities and I thank you. I thank you for that playbook because it absolutely helped me to make decisions that were necessary for me to be able to be the type of mother that I wanted to be. So let's talk about that. What kind? I'm going to cry here. So um, lovely. So lovely. <laughs> so lovely. My love for you is big. And thank you for sharing your heart, T. Tell us a little yeah. bit about your motherhood journey, if you wouldn't mind. Let us know a little bit about your family, how you are navigating this, this stage of your life. When we first met, I was deeply entrenched into big law, and that continued for several years until I finally made my exit in 2017. And I came in-house, but prior to that time, Kanji, it was absolutely nothing for me to work anywhere from a 10 to a 15, 16-hour day. It just, it was not unusual. That was my stasis. And as I progressed in my career, my colleagues began to have children, and I began to see them struggle with the juggling act of motherhood and the competing priorities of just what motherhood and marriage life demands, and of course, the demands of big law. And I really wanted no parts of it. I was like, this is not for me. This, this does, I don't think everyone is playing the same acting game. I, I really believe that this is genuinely difficult. And there are people that are far more talented than myself who are struggling with this. And I need, I need an exit plan. And so I met my husband and my husband was just as deeply entrenched in his career. And once we got married and our priorities changed, I began to have to reevaluate. And in-house was my Elysian Fields. That was where I wanted to go and round out my resume. And also that was, for myself, I felt like that was the best opportunity for me to be able to balance my career and my marital responsibilities and then motherhood. It was the only way that I, I felt like I was able to be successful in any of those efforts. So Tia, did you go ahead knowing that you were going to have to make a change to adjust to balance for motherhood and move into in-house or did you wait, get pregnant and then make the change? Did you decide to adjust first or wait until it actually happened? I had the game plan to 
exit big law and go in-house. And I started exploring my options, but they were minimal in the market that I was working in in that time, which was Atlanta. So I started exploring in-house opportunities in Atlanta and other markets. And the only real opportunities that were presenting themselves were outside of Atlanta. So this amazing opportunity fell in my lap out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And so my husband and I transitioned. And in fact, really, we just lived in two different states for several years. And we started our family once I'd accepted a position in-house and I had a much more palatable schedule. I did not feel like I was drinking out of a water hose constantly. And I enjoyed my job so much more. I had an amazing, I still have an amazing boss who is tremendously supportive. My boss has four children, second in command, has three children. Our team is bursting at the seams with family life and family responsibilities. So I would not have been a unicorn trying to do that juggling act. But in fact, there was a blueprint for that. And so there was so much understanding and support And I just felt like this is the right place. This is the right place for for me to round out my resume, to get experience that I could not have gotten in big law and to start a family and be the type of mother that I want to be and learn the things that I want to learn to progress my career. That's incredible. I think that makes a huge difference. I don't know that we think about that when we are looking to make those changes, looking at the team you're going to join and if it reflects what your personal life also kind of looks like. Kanji and I touched on that a little bit in a conversation where currently, you know, Kanji, I know you mentioned that you're the only executive on your team with kids. And so it just looks so different when you're working with people day to day and you're having a different experience at home. I think that can be really tough to reconcile. Absolutely. Tia, did you take time off after you had your daughter and talk to us a little bit about this bright light in your world, where she is, how she's doing, and how you are navigating being a working mom? So that's an interesting question. My daughter will be two in just a few weeks. Um, She was born August 11th, 2018. And she was not due until October. Oh, wow. So did I take time off? Yes, I needed to, but it was it was not intentional. I ended up having to take about five months off. And again, that's really just a testament to having such an amazing boss. I went into preterm labor at work on a Friday afternoon, and I had no idea wow. that I was in labor. I was in a meeting, and I remember asking everyone, God, is it it's hot? It's hot in here. Is anybody else... <laughs> Is anybody else hot? Nobody? Anybody else dripping water? I feel like something's wrong. (laughs) This is is ridiculous. Somebody check the HVAC. And so here I am thinking, you know, I'm just just having an episode. Maybe these are Braxton Hicks. I get home. I'm still having these same, the same feeling of discomfort. I thought... It was what are the, what are those uh, growing pains called when you're pregnant? Oh, uh, those ligaments. Round, round, yes. yeah, round, round ligament. ligaments. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. so I thought I was having round ligament pain or Braxton Hicks, but I was like, surely this is this is not what labor feels like. Labor is is way worse than this. It continued, and my husband said, Tia. I really think that we should go ahead to the hospital and just see why you continue to have these round ligament pains because, you know, they started off several hours apart and then they came every 45 minutes, every 30 minutes. Like contractions do. This feels like like something. I'm not sure. Oh God. So, 
so, so I think it was around two o'clock in the morning where my husband said, listen, let's not wait until the morning because there'll probably be more people there. If we go right now, there's nobody there. It's totally dead. We can get in and out. And one of my coworkers dropped a bug in my ear and said, Tia, out of nowhere, and this, this is how the spirit works, out of nowhere, she said, Tia, do you have your hospital bag packed? And I'm like, girl, I got stuff from Amazon all over my house, but I do need to go ahead and put it in the bag and put that in the car. And she's like, yeah, have that bag packed at 32 weeks. Now go ahead and get everything together. Get your life together, Tia. Get your bag packed <laughs> at 32 weeks. And I was like, okay, girl, duly noted. So the day that all this is happening, I am, I am in fact 32 weeks pregnant. So I, I did heed her advice and I got my, my hospital bag together. And I told Paris, I said, listen, we have to throw that thing in the trunk anyway. Grab it on the way. We'll throw that in the trunk and that's where it'll stay. My husband pulled up in front of the hospital. There was a parking spot reserved for women in active labor. And I said, no, 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 don't park there. Let's park in the parking deck and walk because this is for women who are in labor. <laughs> and I'm just having ligament, ligament pain. It's, it's totally just a different. a little discomfort. I'm just hot. It's just, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just hot and uncomfortable. But this spot is for people who are in labor. So I parked in the parking deck and walked. God knows how long. We get inside and there's an old school triage nurse who has been there since Kat was a kitten. Rosa. And... Rosa, the triage nurse, looked at me and said, hi, how can I help you? And I said, Rosa, I am having round ligament pain and it is consistent. <laughs> it's not going away. And she's like, okay, well, describe it to me. And I'm like, Rosa, it's like this rolling pain. It starts in my back and it rolls through my, I was like, kind of like a roller coaster. Or a I'm contraction. Like, I was like, it'll come and it'll go. And Rosa was like, uh, let's put these little monitors on your stomach and you know, Let's just see what's going on. And as soon as she attached the monitor to my stomach, she drew my attention to the little screen and she was like, do you see this heel going up and then coming back down and then going up again? And I'm like, yeah, Rosa, what's that? She's like, this is a contraction. And so <laughs> it was just, it was a goat rodeo. And so they, they called the doctors and still I'm not appreciating what's happening. And so... I'm texting my boss. Y'all, I literally have this text where I text my boss. And I'm like, Tom, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> but <laughs> they're talking crazy at the hospital. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in on Monday and clean all this up. Don't worry. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Listen, listen. It's, I'm not appreciating what's happening. And so the, the doctor, the emergency on-call doctor comes in. And he's getting dressed for something. He's putting on a little hat. He's, he's putting gloves on. <laughs> he's sterilizing things. He checks my cervix. He's in, he's in motion. And I'm like, can, can somebody let me know what's going on? And he said, you are four centimeters dilated, need emergency surgery. And, and that's where we are. And I said, wait, you're, you're taking her now? He said, we're taking her now. When you go home, you'll be going home with your baby. And I broke down. I broke down into tears. I didn't know. I, I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't understand why it was happening. And I wasn't ready. Or at least I thought I wasn't ready. And so... Fast forward, my daughter was born. It was a very scary delivery. We started off with just one doctor in the ER. And by the time that we ended, there were 12 because I'm apparently very good at bleeding mm. and they could not make it stop. And so my poor husband, I'd had a conversation with him months prior and I explained to him about the statistics that I'd read about African-American women yes. and their increased mortality rates. And I said, listen, we are in Knoxville. We don't have any family in Knoxville. It's just, 
It's just us. It's just you and me. I had a scheduled C-section. So we knew that, that I would have a surgical delivery. I'm like, listen, I don't know how with it I'm going to be. And you will be my only advocate. You'll be my only voice. So if something doesn't look right, sound right, seem right, feel right, you have to speak up for my life and for our daughter's life. You have to speak up for me. And so my husband was terrified. He didn't understand what was going on. People were whispering around him. And it was a very, very scary experience. But we had some earth angels that came and whisked our daughter off and kept her alive and took her to the NICU where we spent the next 26 days. It was hellacious. And what my boss told me, I text him and I said, Peyton was born. I said, Tom, still again, not appreciating how my life had changed in that instant. I text him and I said, I'm going to have my laptop brought to me (laughs) and I'm gonna wrap up my cases. And I said, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to wrap up all this stuff cleanly. I'm going to transition my case. I had not started transitioning my workload because I had anticipated working for an additional right. six weeks. Yes. Yeah. My boss, my boss, again, understanding what I did not. I think I was still heavily medicated. <laughs> and so understanding what I did not, he texts me back and he said, don't worry about a thing. Congratulations. Enjoy your family. And what he immediately told the rest of my team is... Do not reach out to Tia unless you are congratulating her on the birth of her daughter. Do not bother her about work. Do not bother her about the status of anything that is due or that she is working on or that is assigned to her. Figure it out. We will work together as a team, but no one is to bother her about work. And so that's exactly what happened. My team rallied around me in the most amazing way. They showed up at the hospital. I was looking every bit crazy (laughs) and they showed up, they rallied behind me in such, it's the collective prayers of my friends, family, co-workers, everyone who, brothers and sisters in Christ, they they didn't just carry us, like they sustained us in a way that it was just, it was just God ordained. We pray for you. Because I didn't. We pray for you. And I felt it, Kanji. I felt it. Like there were times where I was just on the hospital floor in a pool of tears. My husband's trying to peel me off the floor. And it's just like, it was in those moments where I know that the, that the power of God and the collective prayers of people who loved me and cared for me and my family, it, it, it carried us through. And so powerful. You know, and and the support of Tom. Yeah. I mean, I've never met Tom. Yes. I want to send him something in I, Knoxville. I, I we need his address. Can I'm we road trip to Knoxville? Over here. Tom. We're going to Knoxville. We're going to take Tom with us All on our moms. trip to Miami <laughs> because right. Tom can be a part of our road crew. Yes. You mentioned, Tia, that uh-huh. black women tend to die in childbirth at a rate much higher than white women. And Tara, I don't know if you know the statistic, and I don't know if you realize this, but but Tia is black. I, this is our audio hey, girl, blog. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so black women tend to die in childbirth in the United States at a rate four to five times higher than that of white women. And that disparity with our health, I know that raised a certain level of fear in you that you shared with us and you shared your heart and your story about that level of fear that you had for your daughter and for your life during childbirth. And we separate motherhood into BC versus AD. 
before child and after delivery. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, so wow. once Peyton was here and once she was safe and you transitioned into having an infant, it's still obvious with to us. I don't know if you heard this, Tara, but Tia is a very dedicated and diligent employee. Yes, I so heard that. I picked that up. <laughs> knowing that, and I know how important your career is to you. Share with us and with our podcast family how you have balanced motherhood with being this superstar attorney and employee? Oh, what a presumptive question. Let me dismantle (laughs) the premise of that. I'm still, (laughs) let me tell you, most days this looks like a goat rodeo. Okay. I am herding cats over here. And there are days where I feel like I am failing miserably, but I am wrapped in grace. My husband has so much grace for me. My boss has so much grace for me and my family is just so supportive. And I am so thankful that no one around me is as hard on me as I am. Oh God. Yes. Thank God for that. Right. Right. You as well. I'm so thankful for that. Yes. Same here. I hear that. So I, I am doing the best I can to navigate this dance. It requires daily recalibrating. Because Peyton's needs change every single day. And my aspirations and my goals for my career and for motherhood, all of those things are moving targets. I'm in a constant stage of tweaking and reorganizing and replanning. But I I keep moving and I keep going. And I, I get amazing feedback from others. And I... I try not to dismiss it. I try to really hear it and not let that fall on deaf ears and recognize that everyone is not telling the same lie. Our daughter who was born at four pounds is thriving. Man, she is so amazing and so bright. I was committed to her never having to measure herself by the milestones of her adjusted age. And for those NICU moms and for those premium moms who understand that adjusted age is oftentimes the milestone by which our children are measured based on now they have a chronological age of when they were actually born. And then they have an adjusted age of when they were supposed to be born. So because my child was born eight weeks early, she gets an additional two months to meet every milestone. So if a child should be walking by X amount of months, Peyton would get an additional two months to meet that milestone. They should be saying X amount of words by this month. But I was committed to, no, she can meet and exceed the milestones of her chronological age. If other nine-month-olds are doing this, then my child can also do this as well. I was committed to that. And she has done it. She's blown all of those chronological milestones out of the water. She hit her 200th word by 18 months. She's, I yeah, haven't she's, hit my 200th word and I'm like 45 years old <laughs> because I just say the same nine words over again. Yeah. So tell I mean, Peyton, I need, I need, to, I need to, Auntie Kanji's coming to Atlanta to give her vocabulary, vocabulary lesson. lesson. <laughs> I'm a, but I'm going to beat her to 300. For show. For show. I'm going to get there. Show. Yes. Yes. But one thing that I will say is that you guys mentioned like, how thoughtful and insightful to inquire about, I guess, the familial circumstances of your coworkers, how inviting and understanding they are to those familial responsibilities. And 
I, I got that covered. I checked all those boxes and I asked all of those questions. But one thing that I really did not do was explore the landscape of the location. I, I didn't mm-hmm. actually. So yeah. moving, obviously, there are lots of implications in moving from Atlanta, Georgia to Knoxville, Tennessee, where we ultimately stayed for three years. And now we have transitioned back to Atlanta, Georgia. So during that period, we transitioned without a child. And so I I got pregnant maybe seven months after I started working in Knoxville. And so we had to find a doctor. We had to find a daycare. We had to find, find help and all types of services that you know, we're not on my radar prior to us being with child and then having a child. So I did not realize that the the questions that I would have to ask were things that just weren't on my radar before we transitioned to Knoxville. And so I was surprised and, and disappointed in the lack of services that were available and then the lack of diversity. It was mm. it was tough for us to find a daycare that we felt comfortable with the representation and how I feel like as 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 women of color, as as black mothers, we have additional vetting to do when it comes to environments we introduce our children into. Right. Now, how important would you say finding a diverse educational facility, a daycare facility, a daycare provider is for you raising a black daughter? It's so important, Kanji. It is. It's so important because we're 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 looking for from a baseline as mothers, we're looking for competency in like curriculum. Is my child going to be safe? Um, what about the sanitation? Is there a nurturing environment for my child's social and emotional development, right? Those, those are baseline things that we're looking for when we vet daycares and, 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 and nannies and, and caretakers to surround our, our children with. Any mother will. The any mother will. Exactly. Absolutely. So those are the questions baseline. that any, yep. that any thorough mother is is looking, you know, to explore. And then as black mothers, we're also concerned about how will my child be treated? Will my child be treated like every other child? Will they understand how gifted my child is? Will they will they really see her? Will they challenge her in a healthy way? Will they see the potential in her and say you know what, I believe that this child can do more. I believe that we can push her more. And you and Paris are pushing her and your belief is going to guide Peyton and help her soar. I know that. I believe that with everything in me. And uh, as we prepare to wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you for spending some time. I know that you and Paris have transitioned back to the Atlanta area from Knoxville. Would you mind sharing with our family that's listening the one piece of advice that you would like to impart to all mothers who are on this motherhood journey at this stage with having a small toddler at home, what is it that you would say with your words of wisdom? Those pearls, girl, those pearls. Let me tell you about these fake pearls, honey, that I have to offer. <laughs> I don't have, I don't have genuine pearls, but let me, let me try to offer you some cubic zirconia to help you navigate the unknown. The only response I can oftentimes muster is, girl, it is what it is. Yes. What's so funny about the advice to new moms thing is before I became a mother, I had lots of advice. And then after I became a mother, 
I have zero advice for you. Zero. <laughs> zero. Love you from afar. That my advice is pray about it. I will, yeah, love you from I will send you cookies. <laughs> what do you need Girl. from me? You know, we hashtag doing the best you can. That's right. We, that's, that's right. Like, what did you do when this happened? I don't know. No, he's, he's alive. alive. <laughs> he's alive. Listen. <laughs> Like oftentimes when people ask me about like how's it going like I'm doing I'm doing the yes. we're all doing the best we can but that's, that's right. so powerful coming from you Tia because when I look at you I see you from a lens of a woman who you just have it all together you know and I, I look at you and I and I'm proud of you Aww. but hearing your heart and hearing you say that even you struggle it's it it, it it makes us realize, yeah, we all have our own stories and nobody Everybody. knows what people went through. Oh, so yes. yeah, that's it. You're exactly right. But the one thing that I would say that I've learned, it's, and this was a humbling lesson for me because I'm so independent and it's so difficult for me to ask for help. But when they say it takes a village, God knows that's the truth. And some people have a ready-made village. Some people have lots of siblings and they just have a very tight friend circle that happens to be relatively local. We did not have that in Knoxville. And so we had to curate our village. It was our responsibility to thoroughly vet and background check and curate our village because they were necessary. And I was... I was driving myself into the ground, mm. not afraid to let anyone else hold my child, watch yes. my child while yes, I showered or feed my child or do anything else. I was going to run myself ragged thinking that it was, you know, all of the, the, the caretaking had to fall on my shoulders in order to be done properly, correctly. Yeah. And what you learn is that they will be all right. You leave instructions for whomever you need to leave instructions for, but you need a village. You need a village of caretakers. You need a village of babysitters. You need a village of people that can bring you food and alcohol if you're not breastfeeding. And you need a village of people who will support you and and look out for your mental health. I struggled yes. with postpartum. And had I not had people around me who who knew me well enough to say, oh, girl, something ain't right. <laughs> then yeah, I, I would have I would have never noticed that, you know, I was sinking into a shell of myself. I needed help. I needed to talk with someone. I needed to talk with a doctor. I I needed help because I, I really struggled with postpartum the hormones that your body needs to continue producing milk for those that are breastfeeding long term. Those hormones were bringing me down. <laughs> but your village lifted you up and they did i'm honored to be a part of your village you you, you unite people country. you love and that's just obvious with everything you do and now tara is a part of the village too we're gonna so tara and tom are joining us on that's this right. trip to miami i'm ready i got a bag i love we it got, we got you got your backpack i'm ready i'm yes. ready to go always pack a bag that's what i take <laughs> right. from this always, always keep a backpack in your car in your car for ready any reason, to go. not that's just right. if you're pregnant, but always keep that <laughs> jewels. Jewels. That's, that's, that's our pro. Yeah. So before we head out, here's a couple of questions. We're gonna quick fire questions. We have three of them for you. You mentioned okay. pearls, so here's my question for you: diamonds or pearls? I like natural stones. I'll go. I'll go with. I'll go with pearls. <laughs> you going with pearls? Romantic. I don't actually own any, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix that. Fake pearls. Well, Paris can fix it. Fake he can fix that. Yes, girl. He that's his. That. Well, that's his job. That's it. Romantic comedies or documentaries? 
Oh, okay. If I had to choose one, I'm a fan of both, but documentaries. My nerdy self during this pandemic has been surfacing in a way that I am so embarrassed to admit, but just documentaries all the time, all the time. Tara, she wants you to think she's a nerd, but she has Tiger King memes all on her phone. Hey, you can I be do. you can be a nerd and look Tiger King. We never judge anyway. I do not this is live the judgment, my friends. This is the judgment free <laughs> zone. Is Tiger King not a documentary? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That. It really happened. It's real life. I did it though. It's a story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> and, and the last one, Tia. I know the answer to this one, but let's let our family know uh, a little bit more about you. Arrive early or fashionably late? Oh, um, I'm so fashionably late, and I'm <laughs> God is not through with me yet. But I, I want my props. He's he's still won't he won't he do it? But <laughs> I, let me tell you, I showed up here on time. You okay? were on time. You, so- <laughs> yes, give her props. She <laughs> tried to call you out, Tia, but I will. Listen, you because, called in on time. Because <laughs> what does Roman say? Listen. Roman thinks your full name is Aunt Tia's always late. He <laughs> thinks your last name is always late. <laughs> Because whenever he hears me talking about you, and he's been that way since he was two years old, mommy, auntie is always late. I see. Yes, that's her yeah. last name. Auntie is always, always late. late. Oh, and that- auntie be trying. She be trying. That's all that counts. That's, that's all that counts. counts. We're doing the best we can. So Tia, I know one of the things, the topics that are really hot when moms are talking is, you know, quote unquote, mom guilt. And, you know, you're kind of new in this game. I, I, uh, I know as when mine was a toddler, it was in full force a lot. Do you have a story or an example that you could share with us that really kind of epitomizes when you hear the word mom guilt, what that means to you? So I live in that place. It is, it's constant. I am forever trying to peel off the weight of mom guilt. And sometimes it's self-imposed and sometimes well-meaning people say really, really thoughtless things. And then there's just this onslaught of you're trying to dig yourself out from all of these feelings of, of guilt. It, it is, it's a constant battle for me. And one thing that I didn't realize is how early it starts. It started well before Peyton was born. Yes. So when when I found out that I was pregnant, all of the research that went into, you know, filling her nursery with the 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 finest gadgets, you know, it's like, hey, you're in Target <laughs> and and you have you have all of this research about the best car seats. Yeah. And it's like, well, do you want to get your baby the car seat from the clearance rack? Oh no, you want to get your baby this $485 <laughs> car seat because that's what a good mom would do. Yeah. And it, it's just like it it started so early and it was crushing me. It was just crushing me. Did my child have every single gadget? You know, did they have enough high contrast toys? And I was every bit of five months pregnant. I was every bit of five months pregnant. And it, it was just constant. And now it for me, it's never gone away, but it it does morph. And yeah. so like now it's am I spending enough time with her? Now, now Peyton is in preschool. So my time with her is limited to the mornings and then her routine in the af- late afternoon once we pick her up and then the weekends. And then, you know, of course, grandparents and then that 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 village that I was talking about that you need, they want to come spend time with your child as well. But it's like I, I, you feel bad, like, oh, well, I don't want to send her to grandma's house. I, I had barely gotten to spend any time with her. It, it's just 
it's constant. Mm. It's, it's so constant. And I would beat myself up. I had this long list of affirmations. I mean, it's so long, but I've memorized it. It's this long list of, of affirmations that I would speak. Girl, I would speak it over my child. Can you share one or two of the affirmations that you speak over Peyton? One or two. Girl, please. Just one or two. Uh-uh. Nope. You're going to get the whole thing. <laughs> we get a whole list. I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. Yes. yes. You are powerful. You are successful. You are a child of the most high God. You are healthy and wealthy in every area of your life. Mentally, physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally. You make wise decisions. You accept only wise counsel. You know the Lord's voice and another you will not follow. You are obedient. You have an excellent relationship with me and your father and you always will. You are loving and you are loved. You are the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. You know when you live your life's purpose. You are creative. You are a winner. You are a genius. You are happy and you have peace of mind. And we confess that every single day, but we typically do it at night. So if I was too tired to put my child to sleep because I'd been working myself ragged all day and my husband might have to put her to sleep, I'm like, well, uh, are you going to do her affirmation? <laughs> like, I know, I know two of those affirmations, and we will do those two. But the rest of them, you better just go to sleep, and she's fine. <laughs> she heard them yesterday. Like, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> she she sent them yesterday. Okay, like so. Th- these are like the neurotic things that I obsess over. That my child, happy and healthy as she is is none the wiser she is no less you know she's she's no less complete and well-rounded in her existence because everything for that day like wasn't perfect i didn't do all the things that i meant to do or intended to do honey it's for type a personality moms it is a constant struggle yeah it's it is and i know that you ladies understand um, just the, the nature of your mission means that you have a heart for not just your own family, but for people. And so, which means you want to do your best, you want to execute. And, and so I know what that looks like in the context of motherhood and the pressure, you know? And so I remember my husband saying, honey, it's like you just carry around a bag of bricks all the time. Nobody gave it to you. You just picked it up and just decided to carry around a bag of bricks. He said, put it down. It looks heavy. Mm, just yes. put it down those affirmations are are so powerful can you please can you send that to me? me i need you to speak that <laughs> for me i, need, no, I just need the <laughs> list <laughs> in that list of affirmations again i think there were at least 143 words i'm only Girl. at 200 so listen <laughs> you're helping you you're helping you are you are part of village that's it we listen, love you we I love, love you thank you for just being you no problem. I'm so glad to talk to you guys. Absolutely. So nice to meet you. Yeah, same here. Same here. She went so deep in Peyton's birth story. I've only heard it one other time. Yeah. And it wasn't from her. I've never heard it from her. I heard it from another mutual friend of ours. Yeah. She has a voice like Beyonce. Like we went to karaoke one night and I was like. Really? Well. Where'd all this come from? Yeah. She's amazing. She's Wow. She's, yeah. That's she's incredible. Great. Yeah, she's incredible. She hired me. She did? Golly, that's pretty cool. Two of the law firms I worked for, Mm -hmm. both of the women that interviewed me were black women. Mm -hmm. To this day, I'm friends with both of them. 
The first one I met in 2006. The second one was Tia in 2010, 2011. Because we have a habit of meeting and and knowing people who tend to, to be like us. Yeah. And I just wonder if my initial interviewer had been either a white man or a white woman, mm-hmm. they would have continued keeping that door open for me. So one of the things I love about Tia and my friend at the other law firm is the fact that they saw in me something beyond what a skill set was that the partners of the firm were looking for. Mm-hmm. And they advocated for me to be in there. And they advocated for me to have a seat at the table because one thing that we as women have to do is make sure that we continue to make seats at the table for other women. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was totally relating. I was, uh, I'm absolutely that person that's like, oh, I know I just, um, you know, had a baby, but I I swear I'm going to get that report finished up before I go. And it's just totally relating to her on that level. We were talking earlier about Enneagram. Yes. And your lack of knowledge about what that (laughs) is. About all things. That's right. And I think... You need to take that test. We need to find out what you are. Okay. So we can talk about it. Okay, but I don't want to do this alone. We already know what you are. I think that our listeners should also take the test and share with us what their yeah, results are. That's can we a do great, that? Yeah, that's a great can idea. Can we ask you to do that podcast? Please. Family? A quick Google search will help you out. It's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Quick Enneagram search, you'll find it. But to help you out. We will also put a link in the description. So make sure you check that too. Enneagram. Now my vocabulary is up to number 201. 201. We are are winning. And podcast fam, we will also share Tia's affirmations in our show notes. Thank God, because I need those. I'm writing those down. (laughs) And we hope that you all can take the Enneagram test as well and meet back here next week. Same time, same place. Absolutely. We'll discuss it together. Yes, let's make this a thing. Yes, I love it. Put it it on your calendar. We'll see you next (laughs) week, podcast family. Take good care. I love your take good care. That's my very favorite. I don't mean it. (laughs) I want you to take excellent care. You mean it. 2020, we need to take good care. Take good care.